everybody to the cafe corner on mic i hope everyone is doing well happy happy monday tuesday wednesday thursday or friday whatever day it is for you um i hope you're having a lovely day or night or evening or morning same thing <laughs> but i hope you're doing incredibly apologies for such a late upload i was backlogged with a lot of things um but we're here now and we're gonna start our memory month actually so this month today's theme is memory and no the month's theme is memory and so in today's podcast we'll just be talking like an overall summary of what memory is how it's coded um different like explanations of memory uh and why we actually need to use memory like why we need to actually understand memory um and how it'll be beneficial for us to understand memory um so with my classic 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 disclaimer uh make sure you do your own reading and your own research alongside this podcast to get a well-rounded kind of viewpoint of the subject okay with that out of the way let's start let's start let's do this thing so memory what is memory why do we need to know it what 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 is it um so memory is what we often refer to as a way for our brain to store and retrieve random bits of information um and there's there's been several different explanations of how memory works um across across the years uh, a very popular a very popular popular explanation is the working memory model whereby you have an environmental stimulus you have what your memory is and it is basically encoded into your uh, into different stages into different stores um what we call short-term memory and long-term memory and the working memory model specifically focuses on the short-term memory but when we're having an overall gist of what memory is it's it's often categorized into short-term memory and long-term memory short-term memory is just things in the uh, immediate so for example if you're trying to remember a phone number you're going to repeat that over and over again for it to kind of be logged in your short-term memory and then you have long-term memory which is memories that are associated for example with specific points in your life for example flashback memories um or knowledge so for example two plus two is four or things that you don't have to consciously think about for example riding a bike or walking those are all types of memory and for me memory is basically learning it's your brain's way of learning what's in the environment and how to function properly within the environment in my actual psychology lessons we're talking about aggression at the moment and we're talking about the limbic system now the limbic system in the brain is a specific area of the brain that kind of controls a lot of things controls like emotions controls 
perception of things and so within the limbic system there's a crucial 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 fundamental part called the hippocampus and it's preached about a lot within memory itself because well let's bring in a case study actually a case study done on a patient called hm where he had seizures and so i think i think he had seizures seizures and so uh to stop the seizures uh a neuroscience a neuroscientist a neurosurgeon which i can't remember the name of uh but he had to take out the hippocampus and what resulted was behavior that was very odd it was it was basically behavior for example he couldn't learn anything new no that's wrong that's wrong he could learn uh he could learn something however he couldn't retrieve that new memory so for example if someone came in and was like hey my name is blah 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 he's not going to remember in like two three minutes what the person's name was for example However, he did an activity where he drew, so there were two lines in the shape of a star and he had to draw in between uh, the lines. And obviously at the start, it wasn't the best, but the more he practiced, the more he got it. But HM had no recollection or no, no kind of, he couldn't remember that he did that, but whenever he did try it, he got better and better each time. So... The hippocampus is crucial with not only retaining information but also kind of encoding information and it's it's a crucial it's a, it's the big boy part of memory um and probably one of the most cru- crucial parts in my my mind it's like this website this article summed up pretty well it's like the hub of memory if you think of it as like a full-on corporation it's like the hub it glues everything together and within an article that I've read, the hippocampus almost almost allows for neurosynchronization, which is sounds fancy, but all it is is it ties the where something happens and when something happens together. So neurons that fire indicating where something happens, and neurons that fire that indicate in, uh, that are indicating when you. Uh, when an event happened they're kind of simulated they're kind of fired at the same time now there's a theory called the hebane theory it's h-e-w-e-i-a-n um but that theory goes into depth about the idea of when neurons fire together they wire together so uh, if you're interested, do look into that. Uh, I'm still trying to learn it <laughs> myself, but it is a really, 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 really interesting phenomenon and theory, which I highly, 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 highly recommend every anyone um, to go see. But another part of mem, uh, another part of the brain that is highly connected to memory is called the neural cortex, and within this part of the brain. Um, it's basically responsible for not making neurons fire at the same time. And you're like, well, hold up, what's the point of that? You, you, need, you need the information of where and when. Yes, that makes sense. But think of it like people talking at the same time 
you cannot grasp what one person is saying when like several people are talking at the same time. I mean, if you've ever had to give a presentation or if you've ever had to look after, I don't know, if you ever had to babysit more than one kid, right? You have to, you have to, you literally just, they talk all the time. <laughs> um, and it's hard to kind of differentiate between what they're talking about. Um, I'm talking about groups of kids, by the way. Um, but if you have, like, several people talking at the same time, it's super hard to kind of pinpoint what information that you need to grab. So the neurocortex is basically like that. It prevents unnecessary, I'd like to say, information to be encoded as well. Um, and it basically makes it less cluttery, like less noisy. For all my streamers out there or for all, anyone that uses a mic and audio, noise suppression. Think of it as noise suppression. <laughs> Think of it as the idea that it kind of takes away a lot of the static or a lot of the uh, like unclear noises um, and makes the memory kind of prevalent in our heads. Now, uh, while I was doing research for this, um there the it was split between short-term and long-term memory i was kind of deciding what to talk about more and i decided i'm going to talk more about short-term memory in my next episode where i'm going to be talking about how to improve learning skills and tactics to improve memory um because short-term memory is quite in the moment it is it lasts about 18 seconds and there's this constant idea of um, maintenance rehearsal, this idea that you need to say over and over and over in your brain to kind of log it in and keep it in your short-term memory. But I'm going to focus this, uh, this episode on long-term memory. And there are three types of long-term memory. There's episodic memory, there is somatic, and, uh, somatic memories, and there are procedural memories. Now, I've brushed on this as I was talking in the beginning, but we're going to dive deeper into them. So procedural memories are just memories that we are, we learn once and then we don't have to think about them again. So for example, you learn how to swim and you go back in and the first time you're going to be a bit rusty because you haven't been, you haven't been there for a long time. And it's the same idea of brain plasticity. We can link it into last month's topics and say that brain plasticity and memory go basically hand in hand. Um, the idea of procedural, procedural memories are encoded for because you're doing it over and over again, therefore building those synaptic um, pathways and or neural pathways and making them stronger. So anyway, <laughs> back, to, back to what we were saying. When you go for swimming, for example, and you haven't gone there for like six, seven years, but you've already learnt it when you were quite young, it's the same process. Yes, you'll, you'll be wonky at the start, but you'll, you'll get into it again. You don't have to learn it as fast as you used to learn it. But let's take an everyday example of walking. Walking is a procedural memory. It's a, it's a great example of a procedural memory because we don't have to think about walking. And also there's reflexes involved in walking. I know, insane, mind blown. I learned about this in my biology class, but apparently there's a little bit of like a tendon or a ligament um, in your knee that kind of reflexes like contracts to make you stop falling like 
oh how do I describe this without showing you <laughs> so when you when you, you 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 know when you're doing high knees that's essentially what you're doing with walking but a less extreme version of that I mean imagine everyone walking on the street going doing like I don't know what you call it but the 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 can the cannon the cannon the cannon <laughs> but imagine that just across across the street across your street usual sight but that's basically what's happened when you're raising your knee there's kind of like a re reflex that tells your leg to go out a bit to stop you from falling over and that's a reflex but in large part we don't have to think about walking when we were a kid we had to think about every single little move because we had no idea how our knees worked we had no idea we had little itty bitty feet didn't work right <laughs> but we learned the motion and now we just don't think about it whatsoever um so walking is a perfectly good example of procedural memory you learn it once and then you're good to go it's like riding a bike it's like riding a bike and it is it is probably mostly my favorite memory <laughs> because or the easiest memory to explain in the long-term memory because it's so it's it's kind of that's that's basically it <laughs> but procedural memories are very motor-led i think i think every single example that i've said it was very it's, it was almost what you think motor memory would be or um muscle memory that's the word i'm looking for muscle memory and there was this patient there was this guy clive waring who had an I think it was a virus, um, but a virus kind of took o infected the brain and unfortunately couldn't, uh, he couldn't, I think his short-term and long-term memory was damaged, but what happened was he could still play the piano, he was like a big composer, he was a bit, he was, he was like top tier, he was just like boo boo boo, he, he was, he was, he was, he was good, uh, I wouldn't know, but apparently he was good <laughs> but um he basically what he did was he, he he was he involved himself a lot with uh music and stuff and he was a really good pianist um and so after kind of the recovery happened he could still play the piano um However, he couldn't recall important things like the names of his children or who his children are. And this is, this is quite sweet. But every single time his wife would walk into the room, even if it's just, if, even if she literally just popped out to go to the bathroom and came back, it, uh, he would hug her as if it was, as if he just never seen her in like, or hasn't, hasn't seen her in like five, ten years. And that, I mean, that is sweet, but it's, it's 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 stuff like that you're, you 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 think about it and you're just like how can he still remember how to play the piano but basically can't remember anything else apart from his wife and it's kind of interesting but i think it is mainly muscle memory and you'll, you'll have to like um tell me if i'm wrong in this instance but muscle like i, I generally think muscle memory is sort of what procedural memory is i don't want to tie it in together um but it's things that you don't really think about but automatically do um you can think of them as habits really that's how i think of them 
But we're going to move on to the second uh, type of long-term memory, and that is called somatic memory. Somatic memory is basically memories about facts. The, the world is round, or the earth is made of earth, or soil, no, the, oh my god, the earth is made of soil. <laughs> Or water is water. Like, those facts about the world, those kind of things that you have, you've learnt and you're just like, okay, cool, that's a fact. That's, that's, that's it. That's, there's nothing, there's no kind of argumentative things around it. It's just like, this is fact, this is true, believe it. Cool, let's move on. <laughs> so, um, in an instant, somatic memories are quite... They're quite, they're quite shared. They're, they're, they're concepts and ideas that are shared by a lot of people. Um, and they are kind of like, they, they can be abstract as well. For example, maths or science. And I will link back onto this. Um, but somatic memories are basically through constant rehearsal and uh, active recall. That's how we kind of form somatic memories. We know that two times two is four, or two times three is six, or we know those facts, but in the same way I remember, casting my mind back, I remember as a child, I had this cube, um, and it had the timetables on it, and you'd like unfold it, and it will, like the inside timetables will come to the outside timetables, and vice versa. It will be like inside out type thing. And I remember my mum quizzing me on each individual square. And I remember finding it so hard. But she would do that every couple of days. Not every single day. But every couple of days. Or like while she was doing my hair. She will be like what's 2 times 5? Or what's 5 times 8? And stuff like that. And I didn't realise it then. But what I realised was she was doing active recall. And... This made me ha- this literally had to make me kind of remember and try and receive those specific memories of those times tables. And it was over a long time. I remember spending months on this. <laughs> I got it in the end and I'm so grateful that she did do it, but it took months. Like oh sorry. It took months. Like literal months. So that's basically how and why active recall is kind of preached about a lot um and i will go over uh this on my third podcast which is going to be active recall and why it's important so i don't want to cast away a lot from that podcast but somatic memories do play an important role within active recall and recall of informations about facts and knowledge and it's really interesting to see how our brain kind of divvies up every single every single type so we have muscle memories and then we have facts and now and now and now now we're going to move on to the final type of memory called episodic memory now episodic memory kind of think it like a think of it like a movie montage or like a documentary uh of your day so for example especially for my content creators uh out there when you're recording your day that's kind of like an episodic memory in your head. So when someone asks you, hey, what did you have for breakfast? That's kind of triggering your episodic memory. Your memory 
that is related to time and space. Um, and it's more of our daily use memory when I think about it. We we tend, I mean, you don't ask someone every single day, what did you, what did you have for breakfast? Unless you, you're running out of things to start in a conversation. You don't ask that question like every single day. I mean, you may, you may, that might be how you start your conversations, which is a good way to start conversations because food always leads to the best conversations in the world. Like I had a conversation with a friend. I don't know if he's listening to this right now, but I had a conversation with a friend about Ikea meatballs and that lasted like a good, <laughs> like a good 20 minutes. So <laughs> it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad conversation starter, but I'm not going to go into it. Otherwise I'll start craving Ikea meatballs and god damn it I'm already there <laughs> anyway <laughs> episodic memories are <laughs> episodic memories are basically memories that are related to the time in the day so for example what did you have for breakfast lot like two weeks ago we're not going to remember that because we're not going to it's not relevant in our brain our brain constantly our frontal cor- our prefrontal cortex is constantly processing and judging um what is important what is what do i need to remember what do i need to do what what yeah like it, it is a constant like yes no maybe yes no may, maybe 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 you can come may, maybe but no so it, it's very judgy when it comes to the oh i keep hitting the mic i'm so sorry it's very judgy when it comes to what information to hold on to and what information to kind of let go so within episodic memories there is a sub kind of memory called flashbulb memories and flashbulb memories all that really is is just any memory that has an emotion attached to it and these memories can be very prevalent and they can bring up so a lot of emotions for example your first ever first date and or your like your first ever concert or, or something meaningful or your first ever gig or your first ever um promotion or something something whatever whatever alleviates a lot of memories that is basically uh, a flashbulb memory and i kind of like the name flashbulb because it's like a boop in in your in your head um but yeah those are the different types of memories for long-term memories and personally i I think long-term memory is such a interesting topic because you can there's the three kinds of that the, like there's not, there's been research that says that the three t- kinds of memories are kind of supported within brain scans so when people have done brain scans or they've been asked to retrieve certain sort of memories almost different areas of the brain got associated with that and I think that is so freaking cool because it says that so many different areas of our brains are being used at once and there was this there was this concept a long time ago that every single part of the brain has a specific function when in actuality it's more of a continuous thing everything is working simultaneously as a team it is a one it's one bit it's a good team but it is a it, like it is a t- it's like built 
on several different layers and several different components that work hand in hand with each other. And it brings back the point that I, I was talking about with the person that I collabed with, which I am yet to release. We, 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 we basically recorded for like three hours and so there's a lot of editing and stuff to do. Um, but it's so funny, like the, the entire podcast, I'm in love with it. So I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this, <laughs> but we were talking in that podcast. We're going to, I'm going to tease it a little bit, but in that podcast, we were talking about how things kind of solve themselves out and how things just work. And for me, I can reflect that into this concept, the fact that our brains are working simultaneously together. It's not just one component on its own. It's so kind of beautiful, I guess. And it, it really, it, it kind of brings in the perspective of there's multiple different stages of learning or there's multiple different ways of attaining a goal. And they all work simultaneously. To help you attain that goal for example if you're revising for let's say maths or if you are trying to do research or something and you only have one component of the research it's not going to be as valid of or as strong an argument than let's say if you do of of unless let's say if you read five ten articles and then do it uh, and then present your argument that is a lot more valid than saying just one argument supports one article supports your argument in a similar way if you're only revising one su- one subtopic of a subject so for example if you're only revising photosynthesis for biology you're only gonna like yes you're gonna be great at that but there's not going to be any other components or even when you're learning a subject there are multiple different things that your brain is comprehending at the same time like sensory information what can it hear what can it see what can what state are you in are you nervous are you are you vibing are you chilling or are you literally like anxious and that depends a lot like there's been research done on context dependent cues without us realizing our brain picks up cues to help us retrieve certain memories and it assigns these cues to memories so then whenever we 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 see that cue we can see that we can remember what we that specific memory or that specific fact have you have you ever walked into a room and be like why did i walk into this room and then you go back to the other room and you realize oh yeah i needed my phone charger and then you walk back in and then you forget again happens to me literally every single morning but <laughs> that is an example of it because you are walking into an environment that doesn't have the same cues that you did when you formed the memory of oh i need to get my phone charger you don't recall it and that is just mind-blowing to me (laughs) the fact that our brains just constantly try and grab little cues and little signs to say oh we could use this to help us get this get this memory back or we could use this to help us we could use that sense of smell to help us get this memory back um and it's just the idea that everything works there's no one component that determines memory 
Um, and I, often I feel like that is, that's a misconception that is heavily shown. Um, but back to what I was saying uh, on context and state-dependent cues. The state that we are in when we're learning is crucial. We need to be in the same state of mind when we're learning and when we're trying to recall that information. So for example, let's let's actually take a study that was done. There was a study done on people that were intoxicated, that had, had alcohol, and they asked people that were drunk basically to recall certain words. And they found when they're sober, they can recall the same words, but when they were drunk again, they could recall the same words pretty well. Pretty, pretty, pretty well. And although that's not definitive evidence, because, you know, being drunk causes a lot of weird things to happen to your body, um, we could also just use the analogy of if you've ever been in an exam or if you've ever been in an interview and your mind just goes blank, that's because when you were learning the information that you needed for the interview or inter for the exam, you were probably most likely in a chill, relaxed state. You weren't really that nervous. But when you go into an exam or when you go into an interview, your nerves start to kick in because, well, I, you've, you, it's important to you. Um, and so you start getting nervous and you start getting almost in your own head and then you just come, your mind just goes blank. And that's happened to me uh, a lot, actually. And it is so crucial to try and find a way to manage that, to try and find a way to almost calm yourself down within an exam or within a stressful situation. Because it's easy to say that there's... It's, it's easy to say that you should calm yourself down in an exam, but it's very, very hard to actually do that on an interview because, again, you get into, get, you get into, it's, you get into an all or nothing kind of mindset and your brain starts kicking in and your brain is just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and that's okay, that happens. But I think learning to say, okay, I know the information, I know what I need to know and learning to kind of calm yourself down is a very very important skill which I will be talking about in next week's episode. <laughs> so next week's episode just to give you guys a little summary of next week's episode um, we'll be talking about learning and we'll be talking about how we learn things and how to boost your learning boost your learning how to increase efficiency when you're learning and also how to manage stress stressful situations what to do in stressful situations whether that's in an interview whether that is in an exam or whether that's just you chilling at home and you've got so much work to do that you're like fuck <laughs> whatever situation it is we're going to try and state some techniques to use um but yeah, thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Apologies once again for the lateness, the lateness, the lateness uh, of the podcast. We should be back in routine by next week. Um, and either this week we'll have two podcasts released or next week. Uh, still trying to 
comprehend stuff and plan stuff but thank you guys once again for listening i appreciate it so 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 much i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and go get some meeky and meatballs <laughs> with me <laughs> i'm really craving eki and meatballs now <laughs> how do you say ikea or ikea it's there's two pronunciations don't really know how to say it <laughs> but i will see you guys uh next week have the best rest of monday tuesday wednesday thursday or friday or the best rest of day or evening whatever have an amazing 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 day um smile and share so much love and positivity i love you so so much and i can't wait to see you again next week